The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. It is great to be back with you. Before we get started with my wonderful guest and this amazing topic today, I want to let you know that the 1111 Magazine new issue will be out in just a few days. If you are not familiar with the magazine, definitely go to my website, imstimmerant.com, and it is free for you. It is free for everyone, and it is a beautiful life enhancement magazine geared to celebrate people that are doing amazing work in the world while also supporting you in life enhancement, in deepening your connection to others, the spirit of oneness, and the purpose for which we are here, which is self-love, forgiveness, and community. So allow yourself to engage in that piece of work. In addition, there are two upcoming retreats in Charleston, South Carolina at the Retreat Center, the 1111 Media Retreat Center, and you are invited to explore those. Charleston is just been named by Travel and Leisure the number one tourist destination in the world, so it's the perfect place to come. You can explore the mystery retreat and dive into your human blueprint, human design, the gene keys, sign symbols, and synchronicities, or the balance retreat a retreat expressly for you to experience rest, relaxation, and a deepening of commitment and intimacy to your inner self. My guest today is Rosamund Stone Zander, and we are going to be talking about pathways to possibility. Our view of the world begins to shift away from seeing things as solid matter and closed systems, people as identities, and things as inanimate, and open up to the startling fields of energy around us. Once we begin to understand that we can go from me to we, we begin to see the world in a whole new perspective. In this powerful and inspiring book, Rosamund Stone Zander invites you to an exhilarating realm of true maturity and fulfillment where limitless growth becomes possible. As children, we develop stories and beliefs about how the world works, most of which get improved upon and amended over time. But Rosamund illustrates, even as we mature in other ways, The opinionated, self-centered, and fear-driven child stories are often the source of behavioral and emotional patterns that hold us back. She illuminates on how learning to identify and rewrite these stories can transform not just our own lives, but also our relationship with others, whether in marriage, a classroom, or business, in addition to our relationship with the world. Rosamund demonstrates fresh insight and unencumbered viewpoints about how outworn assumptions can be taken into powerful action and collective interest, and we then gain a sense of deeper connection to the universe. Rosamund Stone Zander is the author 
with Benjamin Zander of the best-selling Art The Art of Possibility. Trained as a family systems therapist, she coaches organizations from the inside out and has brought wisdom, humor, and enlightenment to people in a wide variety of settings, from school systems, hospitals, and corporations to the World Economic Forum. The latest book is Pathways to Possibility, and it is time to shed those childhood stories so that you can go from me to we. Welcome, Rosamund, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you. What a mouthful. <laughs> it was a mouthful, wasn't it? There's a lot of you know, out here. People have been um, categorizing this book, Pathways to Possibility, as self-help. And you didn't do that. Um, I'm actually glad to hear that because it's not really... I, I want everybody to get help. But after that is when the world opens up. And that is what I'm really interested in, in constructing us as human beings to be able to join with nature, join with the evolution, and to get things right with the universe. Well, it really is time for us to go from self-centered to a place of, of wholeness and oneness with everything that's around us. And that is true selfishness. It's when we can really let go of ourselves. And you are breaking a lot of glass ceilings through this book for people so that we can move beyond self-help into a more collective embrace of everyone around us and understanding that we've all been stuck in certain patterns and stories and viewpoints and perceptions. And it's time to move from that into Pathways of Possibility. Yes. Um, I've had a wonderful time writing this because I got permission, really, from the publishers to take as long as I wanted, and it took me seven years and I got to go study with a physicist in Hawaii and an astronomer, and I looked into all sorts of... I talked to Jane Goodall, and I looked into all kinds of aspects of life. And it was amazing. You see, part of what I say is our way out of the selfishness into selflessness is to have curiosity to expand our horizons, to look for larger patterns until we sort of lose ourselves. Um, And I think I I try to do that in the various parts of this book. When you move into the first part of this book, it really demonstrates how our traumas of childhood provoke us into these rigid thought patterns and behavior patterns and that they then persist into the future. In, in, In a sense, we do have to begin there to get to this place that we move beyond the glass ceiling Why is it necessary to kind of begin at that point? Well, because if we're looking at the world um, falsely, we're not going to be able to interact with the world in a way that is smooth and fluid and keeps up with the pace of evolution. And the stories that um, that we get stuck on, and I'm saying all of life is a story, those stories that come from childhood that never develop beyond the, the brain capacity and the thought capacity of the child are really skewing our perception of what's happening in the world. Uh, if we don't identify them and what I call upgrade them, bring them up into a, an adult point of view, which will change the story, then we are interacting falsely with everything around us. 
And that's the important point. That's why we have to do something. And if we really want to be connected and, and full of um, ability. So if I'm hearing you correctly, if we are in our patterns and our behaviors, then we are really still living as children, but not necessarily childlike, more so childish, because that means we are staying in the traumas, we're staying in the reactionary patterns, we're staying in the small lens of, of that particular age and stage, rather than even seeing the world from a bigger perspective. Absolutely. You read this carefully. But of course, this is right up your alley, Simran. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. I, I love to to dive into places where we can master ourselves. And you begin the book talking about different levels of mastery. And I have discovered one of the most important is that emotional mastery. Talk a little bit about that. Well, um, I'm trying to remember where I talked about emotional mastery. It's, it's understanding that we come in parts. Now, first of all, I have to make it clear that I am saying that Life is a story we tell. We, it is not reality for us, no matter how advanced we are. So when I say we come in parts, I'm telling you a story, but it's a story that is supposed to give you kind of access to something you wouldn't see otherwise. So um, so if you think about that, that there are all the, the little barriers, the little times we tripped in life as a young person, as a very young child, even in, in our birth, um, where the important thing for survival is to make a really secure attachment with a parent or a figure. And if something goes wrong in that arena, or something goes wrong in the arena of learning to take risks uh, as a toddler, and if it goes wrong in the area of, uh, let's say, uh, joining with the school kids on the, on the school, schoolyard, if something goes wrong in those things, we tend to make up a story about that. And we make up this, a story that is the, at the level of our minds or the age that we are when that happens. So we have within us, I'm saying a number of different stories or parts that are actually different ages. And, and we're going around. I mean, it's quite funny if you see it that way. We're going around looking, um, thinking that we're just one person and doing things that we didn't intend to do or having sudden emotional outbursts or um, hooking on to something that is obviously childish and not seeing what's happening. So emotional mastery, in a sense, is to recognize the different parts that we come in, to be able to um, identify the ages of our beliefs. We can call the stories beliefs, if you like, and look to see if they're actually childish, really infantile, adolescent-ish, or have moved into maturity. We don't often think about attachment in terms of patterns, but that attachment that we develop for things and with things, that is a pattern that then transcends into the the different dysfunctions and 
and traumas and childhood stories that we then um, allow ourselves to come to belief as our belief system. When we look at attachment in that, when we look at attachment in that way, is that what then has us grasp more and more control mechanisms as we get older? Is it trying to stay in those ways and that that manner of looking from a child that keeps us in those those gripping places of our life where we can't let go and can't move beyond them? Well, one of the things is that. We have such a long childhood. Human beings take longer to grow up than any other species. And because of that, we have a long time to feel dependent and to feel and to be in what I call the survival mode. And then the, nature makes it that we should survive. Nature wants us to survive. If we're a fox, we, we are out there um, getting our own food by probably three months. But as human beings, we're not, <laughs> we've still got teenagers sitting in our houses unable to get, to get a job, you know. <laughs> um, so what's happened is that the fear that we won't survive um, is, the, is the thread through all the child stories. And when the, these child stories turn into beliefs, and the beliefs become the pattern, then they're all backed by fear, the fear of survival. And that is what causes us the difficulties in the world because it causes us to have barriers between us and other people, to not get along with our neighbors, to have such strong ideas about what's dangerous and what isn't, and so on. So much of of psychology and self-help is centered around the hero's journey and continuing that myth for each and every human being on the planet. Does the hero's journey actually embed more of the idea of the drama and trauma within us so that we have something to transcend? And is that in itself an attachment and a pattern that we need to let go of at this time to become a new human? Well, let me just tell you that the connection between in the studio is causing um, rough portions, so I missed some words, but I think you said, is the hero's journey also based in child stories? Is that what you said? Yes. Is that just another pattern to further uh, embed our drama and trauma as something to transcend? Yeah. I I mean, that's a... I would say probably so, although some... Um, I mean, Native Americans on a vision quest, do you consider that part of a hero's journey? I think it's just that idea of of I have to be a hero of my own story, oh. which in itself says that we, we start off in a very low or victim place that must be transcended in the first place at all. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Um, Yes, um, that is definitely keeping a child story going, just trying to get on the more empowered side of the child story. And, and what this work does, what, the, what the Pathways to Possibility promotes, is really going beyond that. Um, so even one of the practices or one of the ideas that I promote in the, in the book is that we're not the doer of our deeds that if we really um, enlarge the frame, we will see that 
what we say we just accomplished was probably accomplished by a thousand different influences and other people, the weather, the, whatever else was involved in, in us getting something done. And it is actually empowering to say, I'm not the doer. That takes us right out of the hero's quest. And, the, and I'll tell you why it's so empowering to say, I'm not the doer. You don't waste time making up for what you, the mistakes you made. You don't waste time try, feeling guilty, trying to get, excuse yourself, working on yourself. You just, if, if you make a mistake, you just pass it by because you weren't the doer in the first place. Um, that doesn't mean that you are irresponsible because you know what your intention is and you do the best you can with what you have and you don't name yourself the doer. You see, that's a kind of a dichotomy, but it actually will, will help you um, smooth out and be more giving to other people, be more responsible, and be uh, more step up to the mark better that way. Our current definition of maturity is limited to the notion of reaching a certain age and taking on responsibilities. However, when we understand how we unwittingly create the life we have, we can grow further to be vastly more powerful in our ability to do good in the world, connect deeply to all of life, and even have miraculous experiences. When you upgrade a story from child to adult, you walk in a different world, one that is gracious and empowering, because you no longer see yourself as the hero or heroine in the drama of your own life. You can easily take on the notion of being good enough without having to do more. Now that the battle for survival is over, you join the human race in love, not anxiety and fear. This is from Rosamund Zander's book, Pathways to Possibility. With more than 600,000 copies in print, Rosamund Stone Zander's The Art of Possibility has shown readers how to become more passionate communicators, performers, and leaders by embracing and radiating a mindset of positivity and possibility. Xander's new book, Pathways to Possibility, Transforming Our Relationship with Ourselves, Each Other, and the World, stimulates a distinct but equally powerful mental shift that promises to bring readers into greater harmony with themselves, others, and the world around them. You can find out more at rosamundzander.com. That's R-O-S-A-M-U-N-D. V-A-N-D-E-R.com. The book is Pathways to Possibility, and it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, iBooks, Powell's, IndieBound, and Audible. We'll be right back with Rosalind Zander and Pathways to Possibility. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized. 
so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. In Pathways to Possibility, Rosamund Zander invites us to shed the childhood stories or behaviors that hold us back, illuminating how breaking old patterns and telling a new story can transform not just our own lives, but also our relationships with others. She shows that when we become aware of patterns in our behavior and learn to identify and rewrite the stories that form the core of our identities, we can gain passage into a realm of true maturity and fulfillment where limitless growth becomes possible. You can find out more at rosamundzander.com, R-O-S-A-M-U-N-D-Z-A-N-D-E-R.com, and you will find out information about the book Pathways to Possibility and also her previous international bestseller, The Art of Possibility. Welcome back, Rosamund. You were talking about the statement, I am not the doer. And so if someone were to contemplate that statement, I am not the doer, their first thought is probably going to be, well, then who am I? And that is one of the biggest questions of all time. But when we say it at this place where we're saying I'm not the doer, does who am I take on a different context? Well, it it does. Uh, for one thing, who am I um, in my world is the invitation to create a story of of who I am that will be the most um, generous, powerful, and um, connected identity that I could think up. So um, I could say I'm a partner with nature. (laughs) I could call myself a number of things. If you have the capacity and the understanding and the um, and if you know how to change stories in I believe this is uh, this is a really belief of mine that you will always choose a story that is enhancing to everybody. You won't choose something that's all only about you. Um, so, so I don't know if I answered your question too much. You did. And so Einstein says that you can't solve a problem at the level it was created. And so when we state a question such as, who am I? How do we move beyond trying to even respond to that question from the mind that we have come to believe is our identity? Well, the way I do it and I advise others to do it is first to understand that we don't have access to reality. Life is a story we are telling. It may be a collective story or, and it may be a personal story, but we are living into a story and the story that we're telling creates the reality that we're seeing and that reality uh, prompts our 
behavior. So, um, if so, what happens is that we develop a story. I'm saying that is our identity. Identity is a story. Nothing more solid than that, and so it can be rewritten. It is not something made of mortar and stone and wood. It is a movable feast. And, and if that is so, and if you really understand it, the, the key to so much of what I'm talking about anyway is, is really getting that life is a story we're telling, that we're living into a story. And, well, you can see that with all sorts of scientific discoveries, the story changes. When Einstein comes along and talks about relativity, the whole world, the, or at least the educated world, comes to, or the civilized world, comes to look at the world differently. It gets into the, our sight. Um, when they discovered that the world was not flat, it was round, you had to be thinking differently, looking differently, and therefore doing differently. And these big uh, discoveries are happening all the time, and our, our perception is changing because of them. So are there specific distinctions or qualities between the childhood child story and the adult story? Oh, there's a lot of difference between them. Now remember, the child has to... It, the child's main purpose is to get through childhood alive. And, and that and the child's brain frontal lobes are not developed until we don't we're not totally developed in that way until we're 28 between 26 and 28. So as at 4 or 5, we do not have the capacity to put ourselves in another person's shoes for instance. Uh, expand the frame to look for multiple um, reasons that things are appear as they are. So for the child, things are concrete, fixed, everything stays the way it is forever. The child is the center. Everything is about the child. So it's everything is taken personally. Um, there are other characteristics, but th- let's start with those. Now, at the adult point of view, and I mean the developed point of view, when the, where the frontal lobes and the emotions are more connected and we understand more, we can see that people suffer in different ways than we do. We can get in their shoes. We can see things from other people's points of view. We understand that, that things are not concrete, they're flexible, they're movable, that nothing stays the same, that what happened last year can never happen again, even though for a child will think it can. But we know, as adults, that there is no duplication anywhere. There are, du- there are patterns that remain the same, but nothing itself is repeated. And so, and the, so the adult mind is other-directed, flexible, more connected, um, and not about its own survival. That's the main thing. And and then I want to add to the adult capacity 
the understanding or the ability to understand that life is a story we're telling. And so that is the ability to transform the world around us. Every scientist knows that. Uh, there's no reason that we all shouldn't know that, and it is an adult capacity. So as I'm hearing you talk, what it's kind of saying to me is, up until this time in our history, we perhaps have really just had children raising children, adults having perspectives of children raising the children that they bear, and so that is how we're continuing these cycles. Of, I love what of, you're saying, Simran. <laughs> I just love it. Adults raising children, what a wonderful thing. I mean, children raising children, that's great. Because if we, if we modeled that behavior as adults to be able to, um, to have that mind centered in appreciation, as you state, or be out of the places of survival anxiety, or be open and flexible and creative, um, and all of those distinctions that you place in the book about the adult mind, if we are then coming from that space, then the children we're rearing would be modeling the same thing. We would actually not even place our children in the spaces of being in survival mode in the first place. Well, I think they uh, we have to see how that worked. I think that um, that because children don't have adult the adult capacities of the brain, um, they may not be able to come up with the free and open stories that an adult could. But they certainly will be living in an atmosphere of transformation, an atmosphere which gives them. Um, the best ability to grow into the adult mind. If, obviously, if, if, adult, if adult children, or in other words, children are raising children, there is very little room to learn anything else than the stories of survival. Um, One so, of the patterns that is very evident in the world that we as uh, adults... Um, or I'll say children masquerading as adults, um, are, are, are kind of continuing, is that pattern of competition. And I loved how you put in there that this is a pattern, uh, because oftentimes we would never even consider competition a pattern because we're kind of bred to be that way, especially in Western world. Talk a little bit about competition and how we can rewrite that story. Well, yes. I mean, competition... Again, it's comp- you see competition in the animal world where a, a bird is going to knock the, the new baby bird. An older baby bird will wa- knock a new baby bird out of the nest so that there'll be enough um, food for him. Uh, so that happens to the young. But come on, <laughs> we. The, if you if you realize that we're living in an abundant world, we have survived um, beyond any species. We've gone. We've taken over every environment. We're surviving beautifully, so we have nothing more to worry about, except of course worrying about ourselves um, and the fact of the undeveloped, storied world. The fact that. Uh, we keep we're keeping competition 
as a pattern going through adult life. It doesn't belong there. Um, and it's fine for businesses for a while, but as we all know, businesses, if they keep that up and there's no cooperation, pretty soon we're going to run out of resources. So um, competition is simply a knee-jerk reaction. I talked once to, to the, a company. I was, I was um, working with a whole company and, and said something about this, and the CEO was there, and he said, you're right. We have to do something about that. And everybody else in the room said, oh, no, competition is, is, is the only thing that makes business work. Competition is it. But, of course, that isn't, doesn't need to be so. And so this is a pattern. And it is a holdover. From, I would say it's a holdover from the schoolyard, from the sports teams. But sports teams until they get too serious, you can play with competition. There's no problem in playing with competition, making it a game, having fun. It's only when it becomes the identity, you're a winner, I'm a, I'm a loser, I'm the winner, you're the loser, that you begin to uh, break down others. And that's not what we want. In In my own book, Your Journey to Enlightenment, I talk a lot about how if we became the divine child, uh, which is not childish, but more yeah. childlike, mm-hmm. then we would actually assist in creating a new world. And you kind of said something to that effect just now. You talked about when competition is not as serious and it is in more play. So is there a, a space in our childhood stories that is one is more shadow-like and one is more... Uh, divine or um, or or open that that is actually a, a part of what the adult needs to embrace in the child um, yes, the adult what you're really saying is can the adult embrace in himself or herself uh, aspects of the child experience and of course, because when I say that it's the child stories that hold us back. I'm not saying all of the stories of childhood hold us back. Some, sometimes you find children who are um, able to, to teach the world love and cooperation in a way that is so innocent and so open that we have to cherish it. Then uh, what happens to that, it helps then to have the child have a, a guide to to help the child come grow up through adolescence into adulthood, holding that and keeping that going. You know, you have these ch- child prodigies who, in music and other things, who are like a divine spirit when they're young, and then they sometimes hit the kind of go on the skids because the competition in in the adult world is so ravaging that they can't hold on to the beauty of their voice. Um, so, yes, I say, you're, I'm absolutely with you, that children can sometimes carry the most amazing divine light, and we must nurture that in ourselves and in others. 
You you have a section in the book where where it's titled "Can We Change People?" and you write, "Yes, we can." And in self help, so often it has has always been promoted that you can't change anyone else; you can only change yourself. What do you mean by "We can change people"? What I mean is that when we get over all the little triggers and the survival stuff that we've been talking about, and walk as well, you know, I have a game at the end of the book called Walk with Spirit and Love. Now imagine, just right now, breathe in, breathe out, and, and walk with spirit and love. When you do that with other people, you create an environment that allows them to, to resonate with that spirit and love. If you get triggered and they get triggered by the more competitive things or different kinds of trigger stories, um, their cross-currents don't work. You, don't, you can't help, especially if you decide somebody ought to change. <laughs> You'll be very unsuccessful because you are deciding on the basis of your own story that something is wrong with somebody else, and um, that's not a pleasant atmosphere for the other person to walk into. But if you walk with spirit and love and exude that and are totally open to the being of another person, that person is now in an atmosphere where they can drop whatever is the block blocking them and begin to grow. Uh, you can't guarantee that they will do it in a certain pace or anything else, but I'm telling you that it's an amazing um, power, energy. Pathways, pathways to possibility expands our notions of who we are and reveals our extensive capacity for growth and change. It demonstrates how easily we can affect others and the world at large by understanding and transforming our own stories. Stimulating and profound, it is the perfect companion to Rosamund Zander's beloved first book, the Art of Possibility. You can find out more about Pathways to Possibility and the Art of Possibility at rosamundzander.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the 7th Wave Channel. 
on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. The glass ceiling that Rosamund Zander addresses in her book, Pathways to Possibility, is related to our assumptions of our limits as to how much we can grow and change whether we can change others and even affect the world at large, and how much freedom and joy we can experience. The first part of this book demonstrates how the inevitable traumas of childhood provoke the young person into rigid patterns of thought and behavior that persist into the future. The second part of Pathways to Possibility turns your attention outward and expands your vision to enable you to see through the individual stories and patterns that hold other people back. The third part of Pathways to Possibility Having gained access and capacity to witness your patterns and contribute to an environment in which others can grow, you can then become pioneers of a new territory where world and mind, mind and world are one. And then the final section of Rosamund's book presents a series of games that will usher you into this new territory of possibility and connection. I invite you to discover more about Rosamund Zander's work by going to her website, rosamundzander.com. Again, this book is Pathways to Possibility, and while you're at it, you might want to order her other book, which is The Art of Possibility. It is available, both are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, iBooks, IndieBound, Audible, and I'm certain in any bookstore. Uh, Rosamund, when we were talking before, we we've covered a lot about competition and moving beyond the childhood stories, and you go into so much detail in the book on those things. I'd love to talk a little bit about resonance and and what you mean by that. What I mean by resonance, and there's a whole chapter on it, um, is that if you see the world relatively clearly, that is, with at least adults at least living in an adult story, not in a child story, you can see what is a you can see more clearly what is going to happen, what is happening around you in a much broader uh, a broader field, and therefore you can get into resonance with it that in the way I, I give you the image I give the image of a of a finger on a glass you know if you if you um, wet your finger and go along the top of a glass it'll begin to sound you'll begin to hear a tone and the tone gathers energy as you go and around it all other glasses if you put a lot of glasses in the same room, or you have musical instruments in the room, they will start to resonate with that tone also. And it's a phenomenon of nature. So if you are well in tune with what's happening around you, and you have an ear out, an eye out for what wants to happen, that is, what is waiting to happen, let's say, There'll be a whole group of people, and they aren't doing something, but you can feel that they 
that what they want to accomplish is lying within them in, the, in a kind of an energy field, you can spark that energy field and get, an, get amazing things going. I have a story in the book called Puebla and Beyond where my partner in writing the first book, The Art of Possibility, Benjamin Zander, simply goes to a small, t- a small town in Mexico and helps um, a, a, a conductor who's conducting children playing very young early music, uh, unable to play at all, and out of that connection, he gets other people to come into it. He sees what wants to happen. It turns into an incredible uh, movement in the country where there are, I think, now 186 orchestras um, containing children who can now play really well that emerged out of the movement that he started um, that wanted to happen. Now, I, uh, you have to read the story because I'm not detailing it very well. There are a lot of good stories in the book, and as you spoke about resonance, I thought about the brain because we, we work the same way in the brain. When we, when we fire new neurons, neurons that wire together, fire together. So as we introduce ourselves exactly. to more expanded ways of, of looking at things, looking at the world or the possibilities, and we utilize imagination, we allow our brain to come into a coherence and a resonance. And then when we begin acting that way in the world, it's, it's partially that we attract others, but more so from what I'm hearing you say we have a lens to see others like ourselves, and those come together to form then communities and groups that create greater change, and that's where partnership really starts to work. That was beautifully said, Simon. Um, Yes, uh, I I agree with you, and we'll take a leaf from your book. (laughs) Um, as As we move into partnership, and we're really trying to bring our worldview to a place that is the most expanded as possible. Does the child's story seem to bob in and out from time to time, or do we really transcend that place at a certain level? Well, now that you've brought up the, the neural pathways of the brain, I can say it this way. The, the neural pathways that get uh, started as a child, the memories of trauma, for instance, still are there in our brains, but it's like a riverbed that that gets dry and you don't and they don't and it isn't activated. But you, if if something comes into your life that activates that trauma again, something that imitates that early trauma, those pathways will become activated again. It's just that you can deal with them in a different way because you realize what's happening, that it is simply a reactivation of neuropathways. It isn't something now that's happening that is just as traumatic as what happened to you as a child because there can't be anything um, in ordinary life that mimics and or is identical with the trauma of uh, fear of death and fear of lack of survival that infants have. Um, so, yeah, yes, 
I've also found yeah. that when, when I write a book, Rosamund, I, I end up having a certain degree of wisdom as I'm writing the book, but then in writing the book, I experience a whole other level of what I'm writing. How did writing Pathways to Possibility change you or affect your own experience? Well, it's amazing, Sim, because I didn't, I didn't realize at every moment that how much I was being affected. But I have to say that, um, that possibility expanded enormously in my life. I, I've been able to, well, I, I, I found a partner, um, Actually, I got divorced in the in the middle of writing Pathways. Only because Ben Zander and I had been married for thirty eight years, but we hadn't been living together for the last thirty of them, and they, we were really just partners in in the possi- in in putting forward the ideas of possibility, and which we still are. Nothing has changed in that regard. But but I've found another domestic partner who has allowed me to do, to give to the world in ways that I had no idea I ever would be able to. Um, and they, it's allowed me to fund things that all around the world that promote possibility and partnership. And I, and I have a whole new place in the world, really. I believe that this all came about because I was so involved with these ideas and so open to new things. I mean, actually, when I first met this man, he said, do you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? And I said, sure, having no training for anything. <laughs> and so I did. And, and that goes I, very much into, you, you have a section about expanding the frame and really allowing yourself to to open up to things that may not be easy or that are completely new and and kind of diving right into those. When we stretch our minds and our bodies and our lives in that capacity, what else do we open up to? Well, we uh, we open up to, I, I don't want to sound sappy, but we really open up to love because we see how things are connected in ways that we didn't before. And since we are no longer the center of the universe, we can enjoy um, the primacy of so much else in life, the primacy of trees or groups or other other religions or, um, or just different kinds of experiences. And it's kind of, it's, it's a little scary at times. I certainly can dip into the sense of unease when I'm stretching into a new realm. And I think, will I ever find myself again? But it turns out people know who I am. <laughs> and they will remind me. <laughs> and all my relationships, I'd have to say, have gotten um, more easeful, Perhaps deeper, I don't know. But but I I always say if you have any trouble in any relationship, t- take it on yourself. When we step beyond these experiences that have really bound us, and and they stem from our childhood stories, and we start to become 
the intimate, authentic, vulnerable adult, then we are able to really create a new world, to really step into a place where we open to not just deeper relationships and love, like you say, which is our ultimate purpose in life, but then we can create global partnership and true change in the world. So what is that we place that then occurs in our life that, and, and what is, what is the p- pathway to possibility unfolding if we all really in this moment just decided to completely let go of all the childhood stories? Well, it, it, if we could do that, which of course we can't, we, we, it would come into, the world would come into harmony and probably would then cease to exist. So, so the, the, evolution of nature and the world and human beings being part of nature is, um, a cer- has a certain characteristic to it. That is that nature is always uh, dealing with disturbance and taking it into harmony. You know, the, um, the, a planet will blow up and nature has to um, resolve that blow up into some into the pattern of the universe. So we are, we, the power of getting beyond the child stories and becoming what human beings, the possibility of being human is to be an evolver and to, and to be um, resolving the disturbances that are inevitable that, that is what life is about and to, a, a kind of harmonization which allows us to take care of of everything beyond ourselves, take care of ourselves and everything else, and teach others to do so. I'm sure you as have circle, As our circle of knowledge expands, Einstein is quoted as saying, so does the circumference of darkness around it. What this means is that we will never know for sure whether we have found the truth. However... When you have rewritten your stories, your warm, inclusive, non-threatening presence becomes a beacon to help others to move out of survival and into contribution. You are likely to notice what will carry a group forward in its commitments because you're not distracted by the many small battles that catch others along the way. I invite you to discover Rosamond Stone Zander, author of Pathways to Possibility and also the best-selling the Art of Possibility. You can find out more at rosamundzander.com. Thank you, Rosamund, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. My guest next week is Nemo Nimesh Patel, and we are going to discover his story of leaving everything in the Western world to go become a person of service, living without money and living for the childlike wonder of exploration and adventure. Until then, I am Simran. In love, of love, with love and as love, be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey. 